Welcome back to Cogumentative. I'm your host, Thomas Faulkner from the Sunday Times and Times Live Motoring. And as usual, I'm joined in the hot seats this week by Dennis Dropper from Business Day and Motor News and young Brenwin Naidu from Suet Motoring and also Sunday Times. Gentlemen, how are you doing? All good. Thank you, Thomas. Um, can't complain. A little bit cold, but uh, the heater is on doing its thing, so I should be fine. Yeah, all good this side. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, also trying to battle my way through winter in what I think is the coldest house on the East Rand. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound ideal, I must say. Um, hope you got your heaters on. Uh, I hope you have a fireplace as well. That would be that would definitely help take the edge of uh, the cold, wintry bite. Um, It's that time of the show where we discuss news and what's been happening in the motoring world. And Dennis, let's uh, kick it off with you. What's been happening? Well, I think uh, a lot of people will be excited that the Formula One season finally got underway in Austria this past weekend. Uh, But if you were a Ferrari fan, you wouldn't necessarily have been uh, doing car wheels in the hallways because uh, it looks like Ferrari is way off the pace and it looks like it might be another Mercedes-Benz whitewash this season. Uh, Even though Charles Leclerc finished second on uh, on Sunday, it was largely due to a lot of retirements during the race. So in terms of outright pace, Ferrari is over a second behind. but they are apparently bringing some upgrades to round two of the season, which once again is happening in Austria. So uh, we'll see what happens there. I don't know whether you guys had a chance to watch the race. Um, I did, actually. I tuned in. Um, it was pretty pretty exciting towards the end. Um, I must say, no, no real surprises to see Mercedes dominating. Uh, but it was good to see Bottas out in front. Uh, he basically led from Saturday, you know, he cleaned up in qualifying, uh, led from lap one and just, uh, managed to keep that position until the end. But it was interesting to see the performance of racing point. Um, I always prefer the, the underdog teams, um, the smaller teams with less, less budget. Um, and I was very surprised by Sergio Perez and Lance Stroll. Um, they look really strong in qualifying and practice, uh, a little bit off in race pace, but it was really promising, you know. So hopefully they'll find some more form as the season goes on and be mixing it up with McLaren. Um, speaking of McLaren, it was good to see Lando Norris claim his first uh, podium in Formula One. Uh, I think it's it's richly deserved. He's a great driver, lots of talent, um, and he seems like a nice guy as well. Um, you know, doesn't seem to have a, a massive ego, unlike some other drivers uh, in the F1 paddock. Uh, Brenwin. Yes, Thomas, thank you. Um, well, moving away from, from the glamour of F1 and rolling up our sleeves because we're going to talk about business. Uh, and I've got some good news if you're planning to unleash your uh, entrepreneurial spirit and you need the right vehicular companion because last week Kia released a panel van version of its Picanto. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, a tiny A-segment hatchback doesn't really seem like a, a really good starting point for a commercial vehicle. But we must remember that this is something that many other manufacturers have done before. So in the rear compartment, instead of a seating bench, uh, you'll find a flat floor and a net 
partition. And Kia says you can haul around 350 kilograms of stuff. And uh, maximum luggage or haulage space, rather, is uh, rated at 820 liters, which is quite substantial. It is based on the one-liter start model, which employs a three-cylinder petrol engine with a one-liter displacement, good for 49 kilowatts and 95 meters. And that's paired to a five-speed manual. Standard kit includes air conditioning, dual front airbags, anti-lock brakes, Bluetooth, and steering controls. And it costs 198,995 Rand. And Thomas, I think this could be a good choice for, uh, for you carting around your band equipment when the gigs start again. Well, Brenman, I was thinking exactly the same thing. You know, it's, uh, it would be perfect for somebody like me. Uh, you know, it's good for carrying, as you said, uh, musical equipment such as drums. It's also good for carrying racing stuff like spare tires and tools and all that kind of jazz. Um, Paige would think it's creepy, um, you know, um, and <laughs> may, maybe it is to some kind of extent. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's um, – I. I saw that come out last week and I was like, yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. I mean, I remember back in the day we had, um, panel van versions of the Toyota Taz. We had the Toyota Taz carry. Um, I think there was an Opel Corsa version as well. So they were quite popular and then they sort of dried up for, a, um, for quite some time. So it's, it's nice to see these little, um, you know, panel van versions of, um, accessible, uh, hatchbacks coming out. I mean, the pricing for me is a little bit, a little bit pricey, um, you know. You're getting less uh, compared to a, to the standard car. So I mean, I was hoping it would be a, a little bit cheaper than um, you know the 190 mark. But um, I guess that's just a sign of the times. Yeah, I think. Look, I mean, 200,000 rand is maybe now in 2020 the new 100,000 rand. So uh, you know, I think it's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. True. Dennis, anything else newsworthy? that uh, you feel that you should yeah. put in on? Since we were talking about uh, well-priced uh, little panel vans, I thought I'd go to the other end of the scale and announce the price of what is going to be South Africa's most expensive car to date, and that is the Ferrari SF90 Stradale. Now, our correspondent, Michael Taylor, has just attended the World Lodge and, and driven the vehicle, and it's been announced that the car will be selling for the princely sum of 10.5 million rand when it arrives in South Africa. But for that, you are getting a 736 kilowatt petrol electric hybrid sports car, which accelerates from 0 to 100 in about two and a half seconds and hits a top speed of 340 kilometers an hour. Uh, perhaps even more impressively, it gets from zero to 200 in just 6.7 seconds. So uh, yeah, if uh, anybody is a Real big Ferrari fan, start scraping the pennies together for that 10.5 million rand price tag. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an outrageous sum of money to pay. But I guess uh, if you are a fan um, and you've got the financial clout behind your name, then, you know, you may well make it happen. That's all about time we've got for news, guys. So we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back with the show shortly. Join me, Nicole Engelbrecht, your host on True Crime South Africa, a weekly podcast that covers both solved and unsolved South African true crime cases. 
Welcome back to Cargumentative. Guys, the best and worst places you've ever driven a car. Um, you know, we've all been around the world um, for years now, attending car launches um, and driving exotic things in exotic locations. Um, and I assume you've both got, you know, your worst and best places to drive cars. Brenman, let's start off with you. Yes, uh, thanks. Well, gentlemen, uh, I'm sure at some point in our, uh, in our motoring careers, we've all been to the United Arab Emirates, Dubai in particular, with its uh, sandy expanses and uh, really straight roads. And I'm pretty sure you guys would have noticed as well that driving there, um, especially if you're in a car that's perhaps bit more compact, i.e. anything smaller than a Nissan Patrol uh, it would be compact in Dubai. You you feel quite vulnerable and that's uh, that's got a lot to do with how aggressive and I want to use the word mean dri- uh, the, the drivers are there in Dubai. Like, I just feel like if you're, in, if you're driving on the freeway especially, oh my goodness, you just get pushed and yeah, it's, it's really uncomfortable. I don't like driving in Dubai. In fact, it reminds me a lot of Johannesburg uh, drivers. We are, well, let me not say we, let me rather say they are quite aggressive and everyone's in a hurry and you know, people can be quite frankly uh, inconsiderate and um, and that leads me to my next my next thing, uh, that, that whole point of being inconsiderate. A lot of people these days text and drive, which really makes my blood blood boil when I see that. Uh, you, you'll be driving on the freeway in the middle lane. person in front of you is probably doing like 60 or 70 and you see the reason why when you overtake them. They are on their phones doing something. And I think if you text and drive, then you are a proper eggplant emoji. Uh, now, on, on, the, on the other side of things, the, the, the nicest place I've driven, uh, and this might sound a little cliched, has got to be Sweden. The respect that those motorists have for speed limits uh, and for each other is just really fantastic. People didn't, if, if, if uh, the road sign says, do 60 in Sweden, people will be doing 50, 55. You will not see anyone exceeding the speed limit. And I think if we all adopted uh, um, you know, that kind of habit and, and inculcated a culture like that on our roads in SA, we'd have uh, certainly a death toll that's, that's far less um, severe than it is now. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with you. Um, Dennis? Do you also have bad experiences in the UAE? I must say I, I haven't had that particular experience in the UAE, but for me, some of the most exotic uh, places I've driven, and when I say exotic, it means downright scary, it's probably been India, uh, where I drove in New Delhi and in Jaipur, where uh, people routinely turn marked three lanes into five lanes. So everybody kind of drives all over the place and there's nominally sort of five lanes happening. Uh, no one checks their mirrors. Everybody's continuously on their hooters because nobody nobody indicates. So so the only way that people know that you're there is if you're continuously hooting. So we went there on the, the launch of the Ford Figo a few years ago and we were sort of uh, just ambling in a lane, minding our own business and a bus came past us and knocked, knocked off our mirrors. So we thought that was quite rude, but he just continued as if nothing had happened. Then we saw that just about none of the cars on the roads had mirrors. So that was just par for the course. And that's why everybody's always on their hooter. 
And th- then we came upon animals in the road, like elephants and cows. So, so all the things you saw, the, the stereotypes and the postcards, you know, that's, that's all true. And we had to wait for the elephant to sort of move out our way before we could continue the drive. In direct contrast to that, one of the best roads I've driven in the world has, has probably been Italy. And I know this will come to a big surprise to a lot of you because Italians are kind of stereotyped as being kind of very, uh, very brusque drivers, let's put it that way. But I found that they were actually very well behaved. Uh, they all sort of, uh, they, they, when they were driving slowly, they stayed in the slow lane and they overtook in the fast lane and then went back into the slow lane. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I've never been to India before. Um, I've been invited a, a few times, but uh, turned it down because I've got a, a bit of a, a sensitive constitution. So I'd probably spend most of my time in the restroom as opposed to behind the wheel of a car. But uh, anyway, that sounds like a, a nightmare. Um, never been to Italy, although I must say, um, f- for me, the the best driving roads would probably be uh, the south of France. And we went down there once for, I think it was the launch of um, the previous generation Porsche, Porsche, Porsche Cayman. Um, and we got to drive along some of the mountain passes there, which were once used in the Monte Carlo rally. Um, and that was just phenomenal. Um, no cars, nice and quiet. You could use both sides of the road. Uh, not that we were supposed to, but you know, uh, due to the lack of traffic and due to, um, the cars ahead of us kind of, you know, making sure that, um, the roads were clear, we could, um, so from that point of view, it, it was a great place to drive. Um, and also Germany. Uh, Dennis, you mentioned uh, people just, you know, being conscious of others and, uh, you know, thinking ahead. If you've ever driven on the German autobahn, that's, that's something that you experience. Uh, people don't hog lanes. If you want to go fast, you can go fast. You just get over into the, uh, the far left-hand lane and you can send it. And then if somebody's coming up behind you, at a faster speed, you just move over to the right-hand lane, let them pass, move back in, um, and it all works incredibly well. You know, people always go on about the fact that speed kills, um, but if you've ever been to Germany and you've spent time on the autobahn like we have, you'll see that that's not the case, um, and it's 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 more about being aware and, uh, you know, just sticking to the rules and knowing how the rules work. Um, and if that happens, um, you know, you can, you can have a, a really streamlined and, uh, unfast driving experience, even at high speeds. Um, scary, scary places to drive for me, um, would be Bahrain. Um, and that was because the, the traffic rules there are so incredibly strict, um, and they've got fines for everything. You know, if you stop like one millimeter in front of an intersection line, you get fined. Uh, if you go too fast, you get fined. If you do this, you get fined. If you, it, it's just, and they've got cameras everywhere. And I can remember Dennis, you sent me to go and cover, I think it was Porsche Panamera uh, Sport Turismo GTS. Uh, in Bahrain and uh, we had to do some road driving and I was absolutely terrified because before we set out um, from our hotel to go and do the road driving section we were presented with this this, this long document 
with all the prices of all the various fines. And they ranged from like a hundred Bahraini dinar, which is probably about, oof, well, I mean, the current exchange rate is 45 rand buys you one dinar. So, you know, we're talking, we're talking big bucks. Um, and some of them would go up to 1000. So it was a, it was a chance. You had the chance to potentially bankrupt yourself forever uh, by just, you know, um, messing up and getting a few fines. And so I've, I've, I've never been more paranoid about driving out on the streets than I, than I have in Bahrain. Um, and every time there's a launch invite there, you know, I hope it's only going to be on the track and not, not around the streets. Um, Moving on from this section, we can also talk about pet peeves. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be overseas, but closer to home. What else annoys you guys and uh, what else would you like to see changed? Yeah, well, Tom, as I, as I mentioned, uh, for me, the, the whole texting and, and driving thing is shocking, really. I mean, on any given day, you'll notice there are many people out there who are, who are operating a, a, a smartphone while, uh, while piloting a vehicle. Um, it, it's shocking, and there should really be just a better, uh, maybe a more visible presence of enforcement. And maybe, you know, we need to roll out some 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 cameras like how they do in in, in Bahrain, and just monitor these things and, and automatically find people. I know it's probably a tall ask, uh, given how rudimentary some of our other infrastructure is, unfortunately. But you know, one lives in hope. Um, another pet peeve I have, and. It's not really related to, to driving um, per se, but loud music in residential areas, that should be banned uh, because, like, there's this guy in my complex, for example, uh, drives an Audi A5 Sportback, nice car, uh, seems like a nice fellow, but every time at around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, pulls in, blasting his music, like, while I'm, you know, trying to bake or study or you know, write another listicle or something and just it throws me off. So I think, you know, there should be like noise pollution laws. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, if I was the president, I would ban all aftermarket uh, car sound systems <laughs> uh, and especially subwoofers. I think subwoofers uh, should be banned and uh, you should be fined on the spot uh, if a, a policeman stops you and opens your boot and finds one. Um, I think they just don't have any place in a, a civilized society. Um, and yeah, also I think, I think uh, the police need a more proactive approach. You know, they, they like to sit behind speed cameras, eating Nando's uh, and enjoying the fruits of their, of their bribe money um, where they could be out, you know, uh, looking for people uh, breaking the law by texting and, uh, you know, doing other things like that. I mean, I've, I've, I've even seen people, uh, in the morning traffic with a magazine propped up on their steering wheel. And, uh, you know, they'll kind of read the magazine, drive a little bit forward, read the magazine. And it's just, it's unbelievable. You know, um, it was like being in, in candid camera because you don't actually believe that this could be happening and it is for real. Um, Dennis, going to pass the baton on to you. Anything to add? So I'm surprised to hear a drummer in a rock band complaining about noise, but uh, maybe that's a conversation for another day. But um, my, my pet peeve, as I mentioned earlier, was the, the keep left, pass right thing. If everybody did that uh, and just practice some common courtesy using the indicators, etc., it would just lead to a lot less road rage. 
And in defense of my experience in India, I have to say that even though they had those very colorful driving practices, there wasn't any road rage. You didn't see people stopping, getting out of their car, gesticulating wildly at each other, drawing weapons. Everybody understood that this is the way you drove there and everyone just got on with the business and, and did it. Yeah, so so it, it looks very violent, if I can say that, but but it wasn't. Yeah? Everyone kind of just got on with things and smiled and, and waved and, and continued. Very interesting. I suppose if you're all taking part in it, then there's, uh, you know, you can't lose your temper um, if you're complacent, maybe. I don't know. Uh, listeners out there, if you've got any any pet peeves, uh, any great places you've driven, any horrible places you've driven, uh, let us know. We're going to have a quick break and we'll be back with you shortly. Would I buy a hover? <laughs> but you see, like, you can't beat the diesel. Though. I'll take the petrol over the diesel any day. <laughs> Tune in to Cargumentative every Monday morning on Times Live Motoring. You can join myself, Thomas Faulkner, and my regular gang of automotive misfits as we discuss motoring news, views, and of course, have a cargument or two. That's Cargumentative, only on Times Live Motoring. Welcome back to Cargumentative. It's our final segment of the show, and uh, that means we're going to be chatting about what we've been driving and uh, what we're looking forward to in the very near future. And uh, Dennis, let's... Let's kick things off with you. We had some excitement coming our way last week when we received for road testing two of the latest hot hatches to arrive in South Africa. That being the Renault Magane RS300 Trophy and the Hyundai i30N. And uh, we took them to Geritech and uh, put them through their paces, put them against uh, the V-Box to see how they went. And uh, it was a very interesting exercise. Uh the, the road test, the shootout is appearing in uh, this Thursday's Motor News in Business Day. But I can give you a sneak preview in that these are two relatively different animals. Uh, the Renault Magane is, is really the wild child of the duo. I mean, it, uh, it's, un, it's an uncompromising track car. It's a very, very firm suspension. It's got a lot of torque steer. It, it's got more power going through the front wheels. And you just feel like the thing is uh, is like trying to buck you off like uh, like a rodeo horse, and that you kind of have to hang on. So you need a bit more driving skill to to handle that one. Whereas the Hyundai i30N is uh, not as quick, but it's still quick enough to be exciting. But it's just um, I think it gives you more of a guiding hand, and it's a bit more forgiving to drive more of an everyday hot hatch. It's also about a hundred thousand rand uh, cheaper. So you know, the, those are the two sides of the scale. Also, the the Hyundai is generally available, whereas the Magane RS300 Trophy, only seven of them are coming to South Africa. So uh, if anybody is interested in paying 775,000 Rand for a Magane, and then you'd better hurry. Yeah, I just don't understand the pricing on that car. You know, it, it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to have that much more 
over uh, the RS280, which you drove earlier, uh, I think it was earlier this year or towards the end of last year. I also drove it. I wasn't really blown away by that car. Um, and, uh, you know, it's got a price tag that's very nearly 800,000 Rand. Um, it just seems like a lot of money to pay for a, a front wheel drive hot hatch, which is why I'd probably be more inclined to go for the Hyundai. Um, also like the fact that it is a Hyundai and, uh, you know, it's a, it's an interesting alternative to the Magan and, uh, the, the Golf GTI, which have long been the default go-to kids, um, in this segment of the market. Um, so I'm very interested to read that, um, as Dennis said, it will be on, well, it'll be appearing in the pages of Business Day Motor News, which comes out in Business Day on Thursday. And of course, it'll also be up on, uh, Times Live Motoring. So, you know, if you, if you're keen to, to, to find out more, you can, uh, log in on, on Thursday and it, it'll be there. Brenwin Naidu, what's been happening? What have you been driving? Yes. Well, you know, I've, I've been trying to, to put a little more mileage on, uh, on that little Polo GTI uh, that, that that I'm custodian of until April next year, and um, very thanks, uh, big big thanks to Dennis for inviting me along to that Geotech um, uh, showdown with my Polo for a very separate uh, exercise. We we strapped the V box equipment to to the little car and to try and see what kind of times we could extract from it and um you know that apollo gt is a quick car but we were quite surprised how quick this uh how, how quickly it performed uh down the main street at Gerotech. and that story will be out in sowetan motoring a bit later this month and of course on, on time live um and also i write about uh what was causing the the squeaks that i've been complaining about so much so so look out for that um, and things I'm working on, well, I, uh, I'll be compiling yet another uh, one of our famous listicles, this time on, on premium, uh, the best-selling premium used hatchbacks in South Africa. So your Audi 3, BMW 1 Series, Mercedes-Benz A-Class, uh, and left-field contenders like the Lexus CT and Volvo V40. So out for that as well. Uh, this week I'll be getting some time in the BMW 2 Series Grand Coupe, very controversial car with its um, rather unique styling, uh, and it'll be in the 220D derivative. I'm a big fan of diesels, and I'll probably be exploring uh, provincial uh, borders of Gauteng just to stretch its legs and see what kind of uh, fuel economy I can get from it. So. That's what I'll be doing. Lots to drive, lots to look forward to uh, within the coming weeks. Um, I think that's all we've got time for. Paige is waving her hands and that means it's uh, time to wind things down. So again, I'd just like to thank you both for taking the time out to join me in the studio. Uh, it's been good to chat. It's been good to catch up. And uh, hopefully you'll be around next week to join me again. Thank you, Thomas. Catch us again next week for another episode of Cargumentative. Until then, stay safe and uh, yeah, stay at home. Keep out of the out of the grips of, of COVID nineteen. <laughs>